Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and as always, but this time live in New York City with, uh, with Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Hello, Joshua. It's so good to see your face. This is a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> it's weird. It's, it seems really professional. <laughs> it's the arms on the recording equipment. Mm-hmm. It's the being in New York City. Yes. It's, well, we always have single cast nation whiskey in our glass. So we that do. part hasn't changed too much. I love two of those three things. Is that, you don't love single cast nation whiskey? No, I love that. Oh, right. You don't love being in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Such a, such a pompous Connecticutian you are. <laughs> I'm not trying to be pompous. I just, you know, I like my little New England town. This is the city, man. I the know. city. I know, it's intense. It is intense, but we're not intense people, so it's good for us to get out of our comfort zones. I'm really intense. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm more intense. Should, should we do this whole episode? Like, I'm already exhausted. I already need a nap. And, and there's a couch in today's recording studio. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't tempt me. A, a couch because you need some mental help? Uh, no, because I'm really tired. There's <laughs> a lot of travel going on. Yeah. So, Jason, you and I are in New York. We are. We're in a room. So usually I... I record from my basement. You record from your office. Um, Don't think we need to tell the good people that you record from your basement. <laughs> where's Where's Josh? Josh is sleeping. Guess you better go wake him up then. <laughs> <laughs> it's Who's time dead? for one nation under whiskey. Zed's <laughs> dead, baby. Zed's dead. Um, so uh, the recording itself may sound a little different to people, and nope. that's, this is the only reason why I brought that up. You also might be shouting. What? There's people having a meeting next door. We should... People are fine. So we're in a, we're in a meeting room in New York. And uh, so while we're here, we thought we would record an episode of One Nation Under Whiskey. That's us. It's one of the things of what it is, what we do, that we do. It is. It's one of the many. There's two... Independent bottling lines online and in stores. Yes. Batch two, we just received word, is in the warehouse. Yes, today. Hit the warehouse today. In San Francisco. Uh, When this goes live, which is another couple of weeks from being recorded, um, they should be, those bottles should be on their way to distributors' warehouses. That is true. So, what day is today? Today is the... What today? Oh, 11th. Today, today is October 11th. So this episode is going to go live uh, on the 25th. Just six days shy of, of Halloween. That means exactly six days shy of Halloween. Exactly six days shy. It's just one day shy of a week away from from, uh, from being a week before Halloween. Or exactly one day shy of three weeks from Halloween. <laughs> You too can play this game at home, listener. <laughs> it's not exhausting in the slightest. Uh, Jason, what do we have? Can you tell the dear listeners what we have in our glass? We have one of our online membership bottlings. Yeah. This was released in January of this year, 2017. Mm-hmm. And it is a 12-year-old Glen Murray that spent its first six years 
maturing in a first fill bourbon barrel. Correct. And spent its second six years maturing in a first fill Madeira cask. And it is so, so damn good. Yep. And one of 312 bottles still available in the online store. Uh, No, that's not correct. This is one of 312 bottles. There are not 312 bottles left in inventory. If one were to be pedantic, one would be exactly spot on about that fine detail. (laughs) Am I ever ever anything other than pedantic? (laughs) Not sure. Not sure you get that moniker. I think I'm the more pedantic one of the two. I, I believe words matter and that words mean things where you don't. So <laughs> it's hard to be pedantic and firmly believe that. Well, yeah. I don't have to come back. <laughs> so we have a... We actually... I'm, I'm excited about today's episode because the person we're interviewing today, or the person I should, I should say, the person that we have interviewed and are featuring on today's podcast... If one were to be pedantic, the person that we previously interviewed... <laughs> <laughs> now he's being pedantic. I'm, I'm only saying if one were to be a pedantic person, that's how they would frame it. Is pedantic the, the word of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, and just along these lines, this, this is a very transcontinental episode because you and I yes. were in San Francisco together. Yes. When we interviewed Chris Maben, who'd mm-hmm. flown in from London mm-hmm. for the, the US launch of Port Askig. Yes. And now, you and I are together in New York York. City recording the podcast about recording or interviewing Chris Mabin together. Wow, it's all so meta. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? I think it is. What's meta about it? Well, it's just... There's lots of... Maybe it's not meta. But what I will say is there are a lot of ins and outs and what have you. <laughs> that cannot be denied. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so, so carry on. Chris Maben yeah. came in. Yeah. Poor oh, ass gig. Hold on. Let me just look up the word meta in my dictionary. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, so Chris Maben, uh, formerly of Compass Box, and that's how we knew of him for, for years now. Yep. Uh, but he has since left Compass Box and has joined... Uh, the good Sukinder Singh at, uh, well, Sukinder Singh, people may know from the Whiskey Exchange, but he's also the brand owner of Port Askeg and uh, Elements of Isla. And so with Chris Maben, he came to the U.S. to help with the launch of Port Askeg, which that brand, and, and you'll hear Chris talk about it, but the brand started in 2009 and is just now uh, getting to the U.S. And I'm pretty proud to say this, and I'm sure, Jason, you're also proud to say this. No doubt. Uh, Impex Beverages, whom we are uh, employed by, uh, is the importer of Port Askey. And so this is, from a whiskey nerd standpoint, I had been following this brand since its inception back in 2009. In fact, you may remember Jeff Hershauer from Scotch Hobbyist. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Way back when, he and I did some sample trades, and he he'd sent me some seventeen-year-old Port Askeg, and that got me on my way to loving and experiencing and exploring more Port Askeg whiskeys. So, uh, so the fact that we were able to import them, the fact that they chose us as their importer, has me pretty excited. Uh, so, 
that's us being very transparent. Yeah. Right? We're, yeah. we're the importer of Port Cave, but that aside, we've been fans of this brand for, for many a year. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think that's one of the things that we've always had success with, with people, and we, we talked about it in the origin story episode, but we we always took people's interest in our palettes very seriously. Mm-hmm. And now here we are doing you know regional work for Impex as well as building you know single cast nation all the things that we list we're not cutting any corners here you no. know we're not saying great things about a terrible product no um, and you know we at Impex go in search of good products uh, to build the portfolio with top quality whiskies well that's that's it exactly it's it's brands that we know are quality and it's independent brands it's what it's all been about that's why when we single cast nation were looking for an importer to bring our products in, it was our friends at Impex that said, what you guys do fits our philosophy. Good, independently bottled stuff, and we're happy to work with you. So Port Askeg, also an independent bottler, but specifically an independent bottler of, of Isla whiskeys, it all sort of fits into our company ethos. Bonus points for use of ethos. Hey. I think you learned it from the Robin Robinson episode. Could be. Could be. All, all one hour and 41 minutes. That was, that was a good episode. <laughs> we, we are endeavoring to keep today's a little shorter, but we'll see once we get there. We'll see what happens. So the good thing is, uh, Chris Maben... The, let, me, let me back up a little bit. Classic Josh. <laughs> uh, this week's installment of Misconceptions will be brought to us by Chris Maven. Good. And and there's a lot of conversation around that misconception. So I don't see us, I don't see myself editing a lot of our conversation down because I think the conversation overall was really good. Everybody listening at home and in their cars just said, I don't think Joshua ever edits. So... <laughs> Just so you know what the listener's thinking. No, I just put it all at the end after the song. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't count if you put it there. (laughs) So let me ask you, Jason, as a a whiskey lover, what about Chris's brands excited you when you first heard about them? Whether it's Port Gag or Elements of Isla, which, spoiler alert, Elements of Isla is not not coming to the U.S. uh, as far as we know. But, you know, as a whiskey geek... I mean, where where do these brands fit with you? Well, to be honest with you, it's the same response that I have to other brands. Uh, Chris, when I first encountered him, was very enthusiastic, Mm -hmm. very passionate, and very knowledgeable. These are all things we discussed with Robin Robinson, another former Compass Box guy. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Wow, look at that. Right? And it's it's exactly that. If, If I feel like the person speaking to me is invested in their brand and they firmly believe in it and they want me to believe in it as much as they do Mm. yeah i'll i'll hang around i'll listen i'll engage with you um he also and this is certainly up your alley has always worn exceptional socks (laughs) that that is up my alley because i am a sock man yes you are i am a sock man yes you are And, and as is he Yes, he is. And uh, as I am not, I have he, I have eighteen pairs of the same sock. They're all fucking woolen socks yep. that you wear. Yep. 
you live in? Do you know you live in Virginia? Yeah, I'm not not right? changing for nothing. They're right? so comfortable. Yeah. I'm not changing. Shenandoah Valley. Yep. Thick, hundred percent wool socks that yeah. you can go hiking in as yeah. easily as you can pair them with your Tevas. <laughs> Humidity in the Shenandoah Valley. Don't care. One hundred and ten percent. Don't care. Every day, all day. Not in my socks. <laughs> I think your wife may have a different story. It's always a cool isle of breeze blowing through my socks. <laughs> so yeah, he he's always he's dressed to the nines. Lovely, as they say. Yep. Uh, and a true gentleman. And I really like what you said when we were talking with him about his brands. You can hear the love and excitement for the brands. He is fully fully invested and, and i asked him and, and, I, and i knew this this was an easy question you know i just threw a softball at him what are your dreams and aspirations for port Escape in the u.s and and here's what chris had to say and you wipe the table just for emphasis just to see hold on never 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 all right <laughs> this is like you learning about consent. <laughs> what? When HR had that conversation with you. Puffin stuff? Never, never, <laughs> never, never expose yourself to one of our employees again. <laughs> I don't think they were talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Harvey Weinstein was standing behind you, right? Oh. Political. Oh, just a bit. Hey, but you know what? It's not president. <laughs> Maga. <laughs> Make America grope again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, see, my goal is to never be funny on this podcast because you always use it when I'm funny. <laughs> like... <laughs> I need you to be more funny. <laughs> no. The public needs you to be more funny. No, thanks. Write in questions at One Nation <laughs> Under Whiskey if you need Jason to be more funny. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it clean and above board. <laughs> High and tight, as they say. <laughs> okay, now we're really going over to Chris. I mean, the hopes and aspirations for, for Portis Gag is, is probably twofold. The first one is to give Isla Whiskey lovers um, a fabulous value, go-to, high-strength, car-strength Isla Whiskey that is phenomenally drinkable. Um, you've got some high-strength Islas out there. There's not many permanent ones out there, but you've got a few... But we felt, as Isla lovers ourselves, Isla whiskey lovers ourselves, we felt there just wasn't anything that was that combined that high strength, that drinkability, uh, and that price point. You know, around in the US, around the seventy-five dollar mark. Um, you know, there's some incredible whiskies out there um, which you want for special occasions. But anyone who loves Isla whiskey. Um, wants to have something close to hand that they can just pour a big glass of at the end of a day and enjoy it. Um, and from our point of view, you know, and from so many Isla whiskey lovers, you know, they want something at a high strength to give it that character, that complexity, that depth, to really show Isla whiskey in it in its purest, um, most essential form. Um, so that's the one side of what we're trying to do. The other side is to um, maybe look at people who are just getting into Isla whiskey and just getting into smoky whiskey and saying, look, you know, don't be afraid of cast strength whiskey. It doesn't have to be like um, a full throttle Laphroaig uh, or Ardbeg. It doesn't have to blow your head off or like an Octomore. Um, it can be actually wonderfully approachable, mm. elegant, but still have that intensity. And of course, the great thing about 
having a high strength whiskey is if you do find it a little bit too high then you can dilute it down to exactly the level that you want mm. so we're not it gives the the drinker the utter freedom to enjoy their whiskey uh, in exactly the way they want so Porter's Keg has been a great success in the UK and Europe. We launched it in 2009 uh, under the 100 Proof label. Um, 100 Proof in the UK, uh, slightly different proof systems. That comes out at 57.1%. Um, over time, we actually felt that we preferred it just a couple of percent lighter. Um, so at 55%, uh, which handily comes out at 110 proof for the US. So we decided to make um, a, exactly the same juice, exactly the same distillate, but just bottle it at a couple of percent um, lower than the, uh, than the 100 proof version in the UK and Europe. Because that for us felt like the utter sweet spot um, of how we believe that this whiskey would how we would like to drink it but as I say after that you can do whatever you like to drink it at the way that you want to enjoy it you said something I thought that was quite interesting yesterday in your presentation you said a few things that was quite interesting I know I, I did eventually stop <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's Port Askeg as an independent bottler of strictly Isla whiskies, but not strictly whiskies from that distillery that we were discussing before it, it's for many different distilleries and you talked about having a house style even though you're bottling whiskeys from different distilleries so how do you get to what your house style is even though you're dealing with distillates you know mature spirit from various distilleries i mean fortunately um my fine colleague our whiskey maker oliver chilton has Years and years and years of experience of, um, of buying whiskey, of sourcing casks, um, of blending uh, for one of our other brands, Elements of Isla, uh, Pete. So he has he has a natural feel uh, for the whiskies. Um, also, one of the founders uh, of the Portiscape brand, Sakinda Singh. Um, anyone in whiskey will know his level of expertise, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, so it's a question of, of tasting the whiskies and seeing. Um, seeing, tasting them and just seeing how they taste and how they live um, and how they breathe with the idea of what we want the Portiscape brand to be mm -hmm. at the same time. So um, you're actually right. When we were talking, I was talking about balance. And so Portiscape 110 proof is um, uh, medium peated. It has that perfect balance for us of the smoke and the fruit and the sweetness. Um, but as long as Porter Skeg always has that balance and that elegance and approachability, it doesn't have to always be medium peated. Mm. Um, but we always want it to have that elegance and that approachability and that, more than anything, that drinkability. Mm. Um, so, for example, you know, we've used less peated makes. Um, so in the past, you know, we've done versions using from uh, distillate from the Bunnerhaven distillery, peated and unpeated. Um, we have used in the past some high, more heavily peated makes as well. So the key for us overall is that whenever you're drinking one of the Porter Skeg whiskies, um, you feel that refinement, that balance of all the elements. So if we're using a sherry cask, the sherry has to be perfectly integrated right. with the smoke and the fruit. Um, but that doesn't mean there won't be a variety between the styles. And that's the joy, obviously, of the independent bottler. You know, Porter Skeg, 
um, as many people know, is, is one of the gateways to Isla. And we see it very much as a journey for all Isla whiskey lovers to discover everything that Isla is about. Now, Portiskeg is, is one expression of that, but we want to also express the, the sheer variety of flavours. Isla isn't just about one style of peat, one style of whiskey. You know, there's a smorgasbord of, uh, of different styles for different moments, different occasions, different tastes, mm. and we want to express that as well. We let that conversation run without heavy edits, just because it was natural. It was, no, a, it was, was a fun good. time. Um, you know, I think we both mean it when we started this podcast. Chris was just a great guy to see in San Francisco, yeah. and, and really, you know, fun to spend time with them. Yeah. Um, as well as interviewing them, we also got to spend time in the van as we the the later that morning actually. All right. As we drove to the the Scottish Highland Games in Pleasanton, California. Oh, that was great. It was yep. it was hotter than the surface of the sun, <laughs> and yeah. I had my foot uh, in a walking boot. Oh, that's right. And when I when I got back to the hotel that night and took off my walking boot, All right. I I looked like a like a an extra in a scene from The Elephant Man. It was <laughs> it was gargantuan. It was. You're not even back your foot. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Always something other than the foot with you. <laughs> Did you have pregnant foot? Just really quickly. Uh, I had two pregnant feet in one. Right. It right. was very, very bad. Okay. Very bad. I'm fine okay. now, though. Okay. So, so yeah. So we we didn't want to edit too much of that conversation because because it was great and and it just you know I like it when when I don't have to do too much work. That sounds like you. Hey, no. <laughs> as much as, on a on a personal level, I'm very excited to have the Port Askey 110 proof uh, come here to the US yeah. as a US exclusive. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you and I get to consider is how do we sell this? Where does this have a place in the market? Mm-hmm. And the reason Chris Mabin was in San Francisco is because he was presenting to a reporter. It was, you know, a wonderful group meeting. And we listened to him present his case. And it's very clear that they have, they being Elixir Distillers, mm-hmm. yep. have thought long and hard about where this fits, yeah. what the pricing strategy on it's going to be. In his interview with us, Chris talked a little bit about there are some other cask strength Isla releases in the US marketplace sure. and one of the ones that always comes to my mind and one that comes to the mind of, of people with whom I've been drinking whiskey for, for 14, 15 years now yeah. is I run a whiskey society on the Palouse, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned as you know, as you've attended yes, and we have always compared our bottles to Lafroy 10 cast strength. Where does bottle X that's $100 fit within the rubric? Wow. So that's your benchmark. That is okay. absolutely it. Okay. Every bottle gets compared to one, two, three, four, five Lafroy yeah. 10 cast strengths. Okay. And while obviously you can't build a whiskey collection around one single bottling, yeah. it always spoke to the quality that was in that bottling is such a good whiskey the yeah. Lafroy no, that's good yeah and so when I hear Port Askey coming here I start thinking to myself 
there's plenty of room on the shelf for Lefroy Tencast Strength and the new Port Askig. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different styles, slightly similar price points. Yeah, uh, well, Port Askig is going to be a little less than the Lefroy Ten. What, what's the Lefroy Ten at? It depends days? where you are. That's this is the difficulty talking about the U.S. market as G- a whole. Give me what the you know uh, the suggested retail price is. I've give no me idea. an average. I've no idea, but I have seen it. My guys could always get it on the Palouse, mm-hmm. uh, which is Eastern Washington, Northern Idaho. They could mm-hmm. always get it on the Palouse for forty-five dollars a bottle. It is no longer forty-five dollars a bottle, <laughs> no. no. But it held that price point for a long, for a long, long time. time. Now I think they're seeing it sixty-five dollars a bottle. Okay, I've seen it as much as eighty. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Holy in gosh. Fact, in my markets, gee, Whitakers, right? Uh, you know, New York, Chicago. You know, it tends to be in that eighty-dollar range. Mm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future you're going to see that Lafroy 10, if it sticks around, go up in price. Wow. And, and, and this particular one, you know, the, 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 the Port Escape suggested retail price is, is $75 on the shelf. Yeah. Right? So, so you're looking at a similar price point. Yeah. Uh, an experience of a cask strength whiskey or, or very near cask strength whiskey. So, so here's here's what my question really is. Okay. And, and I'm not I'm not here necessarily to discuss how it how it stands up to Lafroy Ten Castro and the price points and all that. Uh, yeah. Okay. But but I've, I've got this thing. Okay. Where I heard, I heard about that. Where it, the, the 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 antibiotic <laughs> cream has helped a ton. <laughs> Just that. A, a ton. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I'm presenting our Tamdu batch strength, mm, right, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are saying. Uh, Tamdu, I've never heard of this distillery. And, and I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. that, and we talked about sherry heads last week. Yes. When we yep. talked about our, our Craig Elegy. But I'm a firm believer that in any collection, if you're a fan of the sh- heavily sherried mature style, yeah. in your collection, among everything else that you've got, you must have Glenfarclas 105, mm-hmm. Abelor Abuna, mm-hmm. and Tamdu Batchstrength. Yeah, those those are those are core, right? And and maybe now the new Macallan Classic Cut, which is a Castrum Sherry Macallan, right? So, yes. Okay, we might take. have to taste that later on in New York City. Uh, so my question really yeah. is, given that type of core, obviously we're talking Lafroy Ten Castrath. Yeah. Obviously we're talking about the new Portaske Eight Hundred Ten Proof. What else do you see in that core for peat freaks? For peat freaks, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so, so really, we're talking Castrant or near? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. And so far, of the four of the five that we're talking about, have no age statement. Lafroy Ten's the only one with an age statement. So on it. here's two more without an age statement. For the peat freaks. For the peat freaks. Okay, let me hear it. Artbed Gugadal. Oh. Right. Artbed Core of Reckon. Oh. Two very different experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both cast strength, both non-age statement. Okay. If you had to pick one, just, just so we've got the different representations, which one would you pick of the art bags? Nowadays, the core breath. Okay. Uh, I, would add, I would add in here, too, and though it's not cast strength, you're getting a very full-flavored experience 
Uh, and, and this is one that holds high marks for me. Being the importer or not, uh, Kilhoman 100% Isla. I think it's absolutely magnificent. Yeah, yeah. And it's not... $100? It's more of a smoky whiskey than it is a peaty whiskey, but it's one for the peat heads, I think. And yeah, it sits around 100 bucks. But it's, you know, and this is the difficult thing with Kilhoman. When they go up against the, the Lafroigs and Lagavulins and, you know, Ardbegs of the world and so on, is you have a very small producer and their core expressions are Macrobay and Seneg at 46% alcohol, so I can't include them in the cast strength. Yep. Then you've got the uh, the yearly, the annual release of 100% Isla, which, again, is not cast strength, but it's at 50%. And it's in, it, it has an intensity that I think is reminiscent of other cask strength whiskeys. I'm actually surprised. I thought if you went for Colholman, you would have gone for the original cast strength, which is the have. collection of quarter casks. I would have. However, that is a release that comes out every other year. Every other year. Every other year. And and so therefore it's exceedingly difficult to get. Gosh. It's great. <laughs> really great. So the first edition all you know first filled bourbon barrels and i say barrels because it was the size barrel 53 gallons 200 liters but this one but this one can you get off your soap barrel (laughs) box but this one the the quarter cast was actually second fill wood second fill bourbon wood that was the, the wood was constructed into quarter casts so six years in quarter casts yeah so they're not getting that massive oak but they're getting a shit ton of fruit yeah. so it's a wonderful whiskey but I, I didn't select that because it's every other year interesting where you've got for a 10 that comes out in batches and you can sort of count them in batches mm-hmm. you've got Ugadal and Korovrekin that's just sort of a standard mm-hmm. um, you know uh, cast strength release and then so, which is always available and then you've got now the Port Escape, 110 proof, well, that kills me to say, 55% alcohol, that is that is always available. Um, I can't think of any other, you know, there was the Beaumont Tempest, or what, the Duran Moor, I think it's called in the U.S., which is no longer available. Yeah, but but instead of just going through a list of, okay, of yeah, things sorry. that fit the category... It's like messing my grocery list. Right? Yeah. It really is for me, when I think heavily sherried or sherry monsters mm-hmm. that I always have on my shelf, mm-hmm. it's the three of those. It's the 105 from Glenfarclas, the Abelor Abonat, and the, the Tamdu Batchstrength. So now my question is, when you look at the Islas, I think your Ardbeg Cory is a, is a great recommendation yep, so. there. Yep. So I think it's Ardbeg Cory, the Port Askey, because they're doing those are doing two very different yep. things. The Lafroy 10 cast strength, because it's doing very different things. And for you, Colholman 100% Isla, which is obviously a cracking, cracking dram, and comes in at 50% out of those. And, and here's the other thing about the 100% Isla that I really love. So you're right, Lafroy 10-year-old cast strength, you're always dealing with a 10-year-old. Yes, it's going to be different from batch to batch, but it's always 10 years old. The Korovrekin, non-age statement, uh, new French oak, right, is, is, is the type of wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are trying to create a consistent 
Whiskey from batch to batch to batch. Portascape follows suit. Seven years old. No age statement. Always trying to create a consistent whiskey from batch to batch to batch. One of the things that I love about Kilhoman 100% Isla is because it comes out every year, it's a year older every year, and you get to see, and this is the whiskey adventurer in me, you get to see an evolution, not just in this whiskey, but in the distillery itself from year to year to year, and it's always cracking. I take that back. I, di- I didn't love batch four, uh, but batch two, batch three, I still have the inaugural. I refuse to finish that. Uh, batch five, you know, it just keeps going and going and becomes better and better and better, or for some, just different and different and different. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I like that. And so you get that evolutionary experience that you don't necessarily get with the other ones. And so I think not only is it an is it a good item to have in that core, like you said, the mm-hmm. cherry core? Mm-hmm. But I think it's an honorable mention because you get to experience whiskey in a different way, a much different way than you would with the other three that we talked about. Yeah, those are seven or eight bottles that if you walked into someone's house and they were ready to pour you a dram, you'd be really happy to see on the shelf. And if they don't have it in their house, something's wrong. You may want to consider, you know, finding your exit point. Yeah, yeah. Quickly. Yeah, window, chimney, just get out. Right, toilet. However, flu powder. But the, right, but then you go to the Ministry of Magic, <laughs> and then you've got to deal with, you know, Death Eaters, and, and all sorts of things that you may not want to deal with. And now for something completely different. Right, now let's see something decent and military. Some precision drilling. Squad! Camp it! suspect I think a little later on in our conversation I thought you asked a very interesting question that sounds like me um yep and (laughs) (laughs) but it was an interesting question about the differences between Port Escape and Elements of Isla where you've got you've got two independent bottling brands both of which focus on single malts from Isla and why the differences between the two. Yeah, I I think it's a a very natural question to ask. And I think this is a comment if you left it in the podcast, add it if we didn't. One of the things that I always say about the Elements of Isla series is I really wish I'd created that. (laughs) Everything about it is so perfect. The, The bottles are perfect. The labels are perfect. The the element presentation. Oh no, it's perfect. The atomic number yeah. representation of the batch, just brilliant. No, really, really brilliant. It's, it's yeah. And I think it speaks to um, an aesthetic that you and I enjoy, which sometimes plays out in what we produce and sometimes doesn't. We play around mm-hmm. with other ideas. The absolute simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. it 
you know, if, if a picture tells a thousand words, that is the most sparse, basic, minimalist imagery. Right. And it tells a full story. And anyone and everyone can connect with hmm. it in some way, shape, or form. Everybody's seen a periodic table of elements. And it's so simple. And, yeah. No, I, I think you nailed it. So, Have you heard the song about the periodic table of elements? No, who does that? Uh, it's a chap whose name I can't remember, but he, he sings the entire periodic table. Really? And now would be an ideal time to play it. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium. You just mentioned it a moment ago, the elements of Isla. And obviously, we don't get that in the United States because of the size of the bottle, and it's not a legal size over here, for whatever reason. Hashtag Wagga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wagga. <laughs> One wishes. And, um, and so what's... I, I love listening to the philosophy behind Portiskeg and, and what you're trying to achieve with that. What's the philosophy behind the elements of Isla? <laughs> Very simply put. <laughs> um, so Elements of Isla is, um, is kind of similar yet different. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, Elements of Isla has, has two strings to the bow. Uh, the, first, the first string is, is the peat range. Um, so we have a, a peat full proof, which is at 59%, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the peat 45 pure Isla. Um, and the peat bottlings, um, for anyone who's seen them, are inspired by uh, the chemical elements table mm -hmm. um, and chemical bottles, very white labels. You feel like you're drinking something forbidden yeah. uh, and something exciting <laughs> and magical yeah. and creative. Um, and so the peat bottlings, they're both blended malts. Um, made from two pretty heavily peated distillates. Um, they're richer, they're fuller, they're oilier, um, they're bigger, um, probably more in your face than, uh, than the Portiskeg um, peaty whiskies. So they're for people who want a little bit more punch. Oh, okay. um, on the peat side of things, they're also aimed at bringing a slightly different audience in. Um, Portiskeg, um, if you've seen the bottle, is everything that's the best of Isla so it's it's that tradition it's that warmth it's that confidence that pride um in a very presented in a very classic way um the elements of Isla is about taking uh, a slightly more contemporary modern you know iconoclastic view of saying right well let's take the best of Isla but let's present it in a different way uh, whether that's a younger audience or whether that's an audience who just looks at things in a in a more adventurous different way hopefully it appeals to them gets them drinking it um, the other side of elements of Isla is the single distillery bottles where we use um what looks like the chemical elements um, to give a hint, probably quite a strong hint, um, for anyone who knows their alphabet anyway, um, of what the distillery is. Um, so CL, for example, is Kalila. Um, you know, AR is Ardbeg. And we put a number against each batch. And these are either single casks or a small batching, a small marrying of casks. Mm -hmm. um, and each one is about showing once again the purest form of that distillery so once again an independent bottling um, but actually showing in a much clearer way which distillery it's from and creating very specific distinct styles of that distillery so whereas Portiskeg you have this house style in the elements of Isla it's really about 
in a, probably in a more purer, independent bottler sense. It's about taking the very best casts that we can find um, at what we consider the perfect level of maturity. Mm. Um, so almost like a snapshot of each distillery at a perfect time, yeah, yeah. always bottled at full cast strength. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then people can decide can see the different styles that are out there, but also they can follow them through the different batches, um, which could be completely different. So an AR8 could be completely different from an AR4, um, but it will always be our beg and it will always be at car strength. So once again, we're trying to inject a little bit of energy, um, fun, but in a, in a very serious whiskey way um, about the different distilleries on either. So I'm gonna say something that might make you happy. Oh, snap. Yep. When we finish the Glen Murray, yeah, from Single Cast Nation, yeah, uh, the drinking of that, of that, yeah, I also brought <gasps> our whiskey jubilee wild turkey, oh, New York City bottle. That I think didn't we talk about that? We saw that go for very high price or something. And we must have. We talk about a lot of things in these things. I just don't know what hits the editing room floor. You know, when you listen back, I don't really remember what I say. Which, yeah, I'm sure the listeners wish that was true for them too <laughs> but uh but yeah 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 so we'll, we'll, we'll wait till we get there but, okay. but it's okay. another good fall special it's another good fall special and it's, the sun begins to set in new york city oh, and it's still hotter than hell when you get caught between the moon and new york and i feel the sweat running down my back i know it's we crazy. will transition to the fine fall but flavors of Whiskey Jubilee Wild Turkey in New York City, <laughs> 2016. So you, sir, had a really good question for Chris. Again, when we introduced him, talking about our initial um, uh, how should I say this? We first learned of Chris Maven through his work in Compass Box. Yes, we did. Right? Yes, we did. And, and his socks. Learn yeah. about socks in Compass Box. Too. We'll never forget his socks. Never forget. Um, Chris, uh, you have wonderful socks. Wonderful. Um, we learned about him through Compass Box, and I thought your question to him about his transition from Compass Box to Elixir Distillers, which is the parent company of, of Port Eskeg and, uh, and Elements of Isla, I thought your question to him was, was really interesting. And, and I love, yeah, go on. I'm glad that you say that because it's certainly one of those, not, not issue, not things, situations. It's one of those situations mm -hmm. where I try to be delicate. Right. Uh, and as he's on official Port Askeg business, yeah. launching in the United States, to ask him about the company from which he came mm -hmm. could be considered a little indelicate. Could be, and yeah. so I, so I did. Just before asking him, I asked him if he minded, which, to his great credit, he was quite happy to talk Compass Box. Happy years of his life, a bit like Robin as well. When we asked yeah, Robin, sure. do you mind if we talk Compass Box a little bit? Yeah, sure, more than happy to. Yeah. So I think it goes to, I think it speaks volumes about the quality of that company, that even those who leave it and move on to pastures new still very happy to talk about yeah. it. So here's here's the question that I was asking, Chris Maben in San Francisco. Uh, can I ask you about Compass Box? You can. So, um, First love. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so I know you had a history before Compass Box, but you really appeared on a lot of people's radars with the work you were doing in the UK and Europe, uh, and even over here at times with Compass Box. When I think of this bespoke blending house 
uh, and the way Glazer ran that and the way kind of you represented the brand. What are you finding to be the key differences as you move over to working with Sukinder and working on Portiskeg and now Elements of Isla and all that? Are there significant differences there? Are you bringing, is it more similar than it maybe looks from the outside? What's that transition been like? Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's obviously a lot more single malt, (laughs) (laughs) which takes, uh, you know, which takes away that ongoing challenge of um, trying to convert people to the idea that, you know, something that is blended is not bad, quite the opposite. It can be utterly magical, as anyone who's tasted the Compass Box range will know. So on one side, it's it's very different because you're talking about the snapshots idea, the individual single malts, um, an independent bottler. Um, So there's something more classic about it. Um, You know, I mean, at Compass Box, we never said that blending was better than single malts. Mm -hmm. We just said they were just as good and they could sometimes be better, um, you know, and the whole point of what Compass Box was doing was taking great ingredients and trying to make them better by putting them together and creating new styles which hadn't existed before. Um, But, you know, John would always say, and we would all always say, look, we all love drinking a single malt when it's really good, um, but we like drinking everything, and the whiskey industry has room for all of those things. Um, so it's very different from that point of view. It's very similar um, from a point of view of um, the blending that we do do, um, that, uh, that Ollie Chilton does on uh, the peat range, um, a very similar approach to... Uh, the importance of balance mm. and the importance of making sure that we're making something better out of the individual elements that we're putting in there. Um, the idea of making sure we're getting the very best ingredients, getting the best casks, um, refusing to compromise on the quality, that's very similar. Um, and I suppose probably the overarching thing uh, which ties uh, what I'm doing now with Elixir <coughs> Distillers with what I was doing at Compass Box is the sheer joy uh, and uh, occasional over-exuberance and over-consumption uh, that comes along with um, the daily work of whiskey tasting. Um, you know, um, we always had a lot of fun at Compass Box and uh, made sure we consumed vast amounts of own product, if only to get those case numbers up. Um, and it's it's very much the same there. Um, after a, after a, a long day of, uh, of 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 tasting and blending and car sampling, you know, Ollie will bring you know myself and Sakinda a whole number of glasses to drink, and then you start talking, and before you know it, um, you know everything's getting a bit misty-eyed, and you're seeing two of each other. And so we're making sure that we're enjoying the whiskies and putting ourselves. I suppose in the in the in the shoes of the consumer, uh, which we are as well, um, and that joy and passion, um, I think, is exactly the same as it was at Compass Box. Beautiful, yeah, yeah, yeah very nice. So huge thanks to Chris for uh, for allowing us to interview him and for spending time with us. Uh, you know, we spent two two and a half days with him, and that was a great time. Oh, it's very fun. Right. And, and and again, it's really exciting to see Port Askeg 110 Proof come into the US and be a US exclusive. It's it's nice and separate from the interview. I I separate from the interview, I was uh, let's say I, I made it a point to give him just a little bit of shit about uh, the <laughs> Sounds name like a traditional pro- American <laughs> welcome gift. 
Here's some blankets. There's a little bit of shit on them. You'll love them. Thank you for Manhattan. So the American public totally gets 110 proof. And I'm just, you know me, I'm not a proof guy. 55% alcohol makes sense. 110 proof in UK terms is not 55% alcohol. I don't mind. So, anyway. If you, if you disagree with Joshua, I'm, I'm telling honest to goodness facts. But here's what I'll tell you. Upon giving him oh, said shit. Your gift. Right? He, he shared a story with me as to why there was a difference in proof from the UK to the US. Do you know this? So, okay. So, the way to determine what the alcohol percentage was is you would use gunpowder. Correct. That much I know. And depending on the strength of the alcohol, as you light the gunpowder, mm-hmm. gunpowder lets you know what what's at 100 proof, okay? So. Just remember, as you're telling this story, we can no longer take photographs with our digital photography and still houses. Yet, they used to keep gunpowder there and set it off. <laughs> let's never forget this. So, let's think about 100 proof. In the UK, 100 proof is 57.1 percent alcohol. It is, like you said. It is. 100 proof in the US is 50 percent alcohol. Yes, it is. Similarly, hold on, let me write this down. Uh huh. Okay. Similarly, got a note. 70 proof 70 in proof. the UK. Uh huh. Is 40 percent alcohol, but it's 35 percent alcohol. And so I asked him why this is, why, why the two different systems, and and he said, <laughs> this is the interesting thing. He said in the UK. They were using really shitty gunpowder that you needed a higher strength spirit to allow that to spark, to flare up. But here in the U.S., we were using a quality French gunpowder that sparked at a lower ABV. I want to see the receipts. (laughs) Hey, don't, don't, don't shoot the sheriff. With horrible quality gunpowder. Right. Don't shoot the deputy? What is it? I don't know. Anyway, no. um, I shot the sheriff, I shot the sheriff. But I did not shoot the deputy. I shot the sheriff sounds like code for I pooped myself. <laughs> <laughs> and if we allow ourselves to go down the wormhole of Joshua's euphemisms for pooping yourself, yeah. we will be here for a very long time. So. Chris Maven, thank you so much uh, for interviewing with us. Uh, and, and, and thanks to everybody for listening to that. Stick around, we're going to hear... Um, <laughs> stick around, you're going to hear uh, the, the misconception that Chris Maven brings where we discuss Pete. But I want to bring some very... This is going to be, in my opinion, a very special edition of the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Life story of Playboy Penny. Extra, 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 read all about it. Me and that Playboy in trouble again. And I think that this is potentially going to be the first and only time where we bring up news that has nothing to do with us. Because really, we we are self-congratulatory. We like to only talk about us and only share news. Uh, that pertains to what it is, what we do, that we do. 
However, I think the whiskey world was rocked this week. Rocked. Right? Definitely, yeah. Right? So, what day is it? So, on Monday, October 9, followed by Tuesday, October 10. Thankfully. We were woke to some news. And when I saw that news, I looked at my calendar and said, is it April 1? You did. That's exactly what you texted me. (laughs) So I'm sure everybody knows this by now. But in case you don't know this, uh, Diageo has decided to reopen Port Ellen and Brora distilleries after, what, 34 years since being shut down? Something like that? Uh, Seems about right. Yeah, 1980, spring 83 yeah. was the last distillate at Port Ellen. It was. Was it spring or winter? Uh, it was definitely spring. Okay. Uh, but then, so that was Monday. Then on the Tuesday, we received news mm, that, also. in my opinion, I- I'm even more excited about. Yep. And that is Rosebank being revived. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that project as well. Yeah, right. You know, what did we talk about? Uh, in our last episode with Robin Robinson, the rise of American craft. What, you know, what corollary, that's a word I can never, ever, ever say. I try to say coral, and then, really, after it, I struggle every time. I have a Toyota corollary. Corollary, see, corollary. Yeah. I didn't even know the point I was trying to make there. Um, Correlation. We have a corollary with the UK, with the rise of craft distilling in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we talk about Kilholman, first distillery on island 120 mm-hmm. 125 years 120 i think uh, 124 to be exact 124 to be exact uh, we, right we, we talk about you know seeing distilleries appear on the isle of sky you know there's there's, there's a big movement mm-hmm. and now what do we have three iconic, iconic distilleries truly iconic distilleries being reborn yeah. right if you think about uh, what we talked about with glen Gyle, where glen Gyle was being Oh, rebuilt yeah. since 1925 yeah, yeah. and now here you've got Port Ellen, Barora, Rosebank and Rosebank former buildings now being uh, apartments or flats it's going to be a big undertaking and the question is going to be from a lot of whiskey geeks who are sitting on their stashies of Rosebank mm-hmm. is what's the new one doing? Is the new one doing what the old one was doing? And well, it's, yes. It's, gonna, it's, a big, it's a big challenge, it's a big ask. And, and, and so this is the thing that excites me a little bit. We, when we talked to Jim McEwen at Ardenho, right, he talked about building a distillery that is going to have warm tubs. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm, First mm-hmm. distillery built in a while with warm tubs. Mm-hmm. Brora is reopening. Mm-hmm. Warm tubs. Mm-hmm. Rosebank triple distilled. Mm-hmm but with worm tubs, hmm. right? All very interesting. They're bringing back a style of whiskey that is very much a thing of the past. Yeah. And discovering that people have a palate for that style of whiskey, yeah. I think it's very, very cool. Very exciting. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're still promising a future episode focused only on worm tubs. Mm-hmm. Interviewing distillery managers who are associated with those worm tubs. Yeah. So, yeah. so continue to watch this space. It's mm-hmm. going to be a while off because we're going to collect those interviews so we can put them into one episode. Correct. But, but we we have some interviews in the um, what do they what do they call that in the can in the can on the I know you like that on the toilet 
I'm not Jason. <laughs> this is serious news. So, serious okay. news. Um, do we have any mail that we need to discuss? I mean, we, we've gotten some mail, but here's the interesting thing. <laughs> I'm going to answer my own questions yet. Here's the interesting thing. So we, we, we received some questions uh, from a few people that, in my opinion, they're more than just questions to be answered. They are episodes to be built around those questions, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we received one from James Foster, who has was written in before. Mm-hmm. Good friend. Uh, right? And, and then also we received one recently from uh, Timothy and Tim. Timothy, I, I apologize. I'm going to... I'm going to slowly pronounce your last name uh, because it's not rolling off my tongue. And, and that's, that's on me. That's not you. Uh, so, Timothy Gullixrud. Gullixrud. Doesn't sound bad. That's not bad. No, it's just that it doesn't roll off my tongue. Okay. So, so he had some interesting questions about, about hogsheads, so which, which came from uh, him listening to our, our interview with Jim McEwen. So we're going to build episodes around that, just like we're going to build an episode around worm tubs, just like we're going to build an episode. I think James Foster's question was around baby sick, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baby vomit notes. Yeah. So not certain actual, whiskeys. Yeah. So not, not actual baby sick or baby <laughs> vomit, but a note that one can get when nosing and tasting a whiskey. Baby sick. What's that about? <laughs> So no email today. However, do know we are receiving your your emails and your messages, and we are going to get to it. And in fact, they've been so great that we want to build entire episodes around that. Yeah, thanks immensely for sending those in. Yeah. It really means a lot to us. So if anybody else wants to reach out to us, email us, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, uh, Instagram us, at One Nation Under Whiskey. Twitter us. Uh, at One Nation Whiskey. And then reach out to us. No one's reached out. No. Okay, so I'm going to say this. No one's reached out to us at our Facebook.com slash One Nation Under Whiskey. So I, I'm asking people to send us a message there so we can be assured, assured that messages are coming through. Is that so much to ask, Jason? I'm guessing it's such a cesspool that everybody under 50 has left it. You really hate Facebook, don't you? I do. I think it's garbage. I think it's total garbage town. How else are you going to learn about MAGA? (laughs) (laughs) Every other outlet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm so poorly informed on what's happening in America right now. Nobody reports on what's happening in America. All my news comes from Scotland, so... Uh, Let's talk Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Brexit. There's also hashtag Brexit. Oh, that's another story. Hashtag (laughs) Theresa May's terrible and needs to be fired. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, with with Chris Maven in mind, with this very Isla-centric podcast in mind... <laughs> Isla centric podcast in mind with the space like Glenn Murray and the Whiskey Jubilee Wild Turkey. Yes, continue. Continue, sir. I really liked what Chris had said about Pete. And Absolutely. Mis- right? That was a winner every which way. 
and, and the misconception around peating levels. Mm-hmm. And, and so he brought it up, but we had a, a, a larger conversation around that, which actually uh, is, is a bit of a nod towards some of our discussion in an earlier episode, sort of our, our final Isla uh, tour episode two, where we talk about la- the differences between Lagavulin and Kalila. Yep. They're using the same peating level, so on and so forth. So yep. let's, let's just pass it over to Chris and, and to you and to me in that conversation. Sweet. Yeah, cool. The evening before I got in, you, uh, you had dinner with Jason, and you started getting into peat, digging into peat. Mm-hmm. That's right, good. That's, yeah. nice, and nice thank you. And you excited Jason in ways that he hasn't been excited before uh, about Pete. Both, both feet. <laughs> 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 but yes, it's true. I accept the accusation. Um, myself and Pete excited Jason. <laughs> I like them both hands and both feet. Additional wrinkle on that one. Um, we were talking I mean we were talking about all kinds of stuff um, but one of my big concerns and I guess one of your big concerns is is educating people making sure people understand what whiskey is about mm. what is uh, the truths about whiskey what they should know what they shouldn't know uh, rather than the things that have sadly been um, they've been misled about over the decades of whether it's from marketing campaigns whether it's just people who've just have been unintentionally uninformed and one of the big things uh, that I think people get mixed up about um, is PPM peating levels Mm -hmm. and what that actually means Um, and we've all been at a show where someone comes up to you and says what is the PPM and you tell them and they say oh no I only drink things over 50 PPM or I don't touch anything under 10 PPM and without realizing that actually um, they're only seeing a very small part of the story. Um, so, if you like, this is chapter 25 in the great myths of whiskey that need to be slayed uh, like the evil dragon. Um, so, we were looking, we were talking about uh, Portiskeg. Um, so, Portiskeg 110, uh, which happily just being launched in uh, the US this week, which is fantastic yeah, news. Um, and it comes from a distillery um, at the northeast of the island, very close to uh, the town of Portiskeg. So anyone who knows whiskey will know exactly where that's from. Um, and the whiskey that comes from there is, is 35 ppm, uh, which technically is a heavily peated whiskey. Um, and it is exactly the same ppm as Lagavulin. Um, so a heavily peated whiskey. But when you taste the Portiskeg or you taste this distillate it's actually medium peated mm-hmm. so why is that well the reason that that is is because far more important than the PPM level is the distillation and so in the case of this particular distillery um, they have um, stills that are low filled and they have what is during the process of distillation you get what is known as a very high reflux which gives the spirit a much lighter more citrusy cleaner style whereas the distillation at Lagavulin um, is done in a very different way giving you a much oilier richer style so even though the original PPM is the same the two whiskies that come out are completely different well Lagavulin feel so you're right the the distiller you're talking about does a low fill 
They sound a little bit like Isla uh, <laughs> and cold. <laughs> but I can't say anymore. <laughs> Sworn to secrecy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that uh, distillery um, fills their their stills, you know, to a low level where Lagavulin fills puts the wash into the still very very high Absolutely. along with the spirit so so you're saying with the port distillate right you're you're getting um a medium peat in part because of that higher reflux exactly so you know the way that um people in the whiskey industry define the makes um are from a sort of technical point of view so uh, the distillate is a heavily peated distillate but the resulting whiskey when you actually taste it is medium peated Mm -hmm. and that's the difference and that is um despite the fact that the ppm level is actually very high and the ppm level is as I said before, exactly the same uh, level as Lagavulin. But what you're actually tasting and what you're actually looking for in that bottle ends up being completely different. Yeah, and over dinner you were talking about the the height of the stills as well, those kind of long swan necks. And then you've got your line arm involved in that as well, so. There's, yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many different factors that go in. And, you know, we, we're just focusing on the distillation, distillation process. You know, there's enormous number of things around the actual malting process mm-hmm. um, that uh, change the way that PPM actually ends up being expressed in the whiskey flavor mm. so uh, we might have to make this a, a monthly feature just to cover all <laughs> of the elements of what uh, possibly not in san francisco because um, an awfully long commute um, but uh, you know there's so many elements and this yeah. is what makes of course whiskey fascinating you can't just say this is x ppm people like people find that reassuring but it's actually um, misleading so it, the distillation is probably the most important factor but it's certainly not the only factor in how PPM ends up being expressed in the final whiskey. One of the things that Jason and I learned uh, when we were on Isla three weeks ago now? Gosh, it was that long ago? It moves fast. Holy crap. Okay, so three weeks ago. Four weeks ago now. Let's just call it three, please. September. That was July. So when we were on Isla... Sorry, I'm three months. We started asking the question for each distillery where they take their cuts, right? Where where do their four shots end or, or heads um, end and their hearts begin? And then where do the hearts end and the tails begin too? And so I think, to, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit, uh, but I think that will help dictate how the peat is expressed in the final distillate, right? So if you've got, if you're taking your cuts high, in other words, you you start your heart cut maybe at around 73% alcohol and you end it at, at 67% alcohol, well, you're dealing with some of those more lighter, fruity, estier, uh, more uh, estery things going on. But if you let it go a little further, right, down to 65, 63, you're getting those heavier elements, which I imagine, I can't remember what Lefroy had said. Do you remember? I don't remember Lefroy, but I remember Justina at Kalila um, had talked about taking that higher cut on it as oh, well. Um, okay. I remember her numbers sounded much closer to Kilholman's. Uh, so you're around that 73, 74, 75 at the start of the heart cut. And I can't remember how far down she said. But I thought it was about 
65, 66, but it might have been a little bit higher for that as well. Do you know the, the Kalila Hart cut? I, I, I don't, I'm afraid. I don't, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah, right, and of yeah, course, exactly you know, talking about Kilhoman, that's another distillery uh, which has a, a pretty high reflux and give mm -hmm. you ends up giving you a lovely fruity mm. distillate. But no, I'm sure you're absolutely right in terms of um, you know where they take the cuts. Of course, that's going to have an enormous effect as well. Yeah. I, I think another thing for people to keep in mind is that when, when we talk about PPM, you're talking about the PPM on the barley with the, the phenolic parts per million on the barley <laughs> that then goes through a grist mill, then goes through the fermentation process, then the distillation process, then the maturation process. And by the end, 35 becomes much lower. And, and as an example, Jason, you'll remember we had a Glen Murray two-year-old heavily peated spirit that mm -hmm. was 40 ppm on the barley, but then they rated the spirit. Now, this is two-year-old spirit. They rated the, the ppm on the spirit itself, and it went down to 18. So it lost, you know, 58% or whatever the number is of, of its overall peat, which I thought was well, kind of interesting. You a percentage out of that. That was very impressive. I, was, I thought you were struggling with the math of 40 minus 18, um, but instead you were just working a percentage. That's very impressive. Okay. I don't want anybody to break out a calculator, <laughs> which everybody's going to do. <laughs> oh, do you hear that siren, Jason? I do. Do you know what that tells me? That we're in New York City, which you hate? Yeah, it's a dangerous place. <laughs> it sounds nothing like Guilford, Connecticut, <laughs> where if you read the police blotter, <laughs> the vast majority of, of what's, what's uh, reported in the police blotter I'll tell you a recent one. Uh -huh. okay? I'm this, ready. This is great. I, the, the report says police were alerted that squirrels were inhabiting someone's driveway. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Upon arriving, yes. police did not discover any squirrels. Case closed, or is case it closed. Is an open case? That's, no, that, that's it. Wow. Someone reported that. There was paperwork done. Wow. Another one? A chicken was reported in the neighbor's front yard. The police came, ran over the chicken. Oh, no. Case closed. Well, that, that I can understand why that one was closed. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty open and shut case. I know. I know police officer <laughs> but that seems open and shut i've yeah. seen i've seen law and order at least 30 oh seconds of one episode yeah that seems open and shut well this is you know this is more guilford ncis <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah young jim uh, jim hendigas is a good yeah. good regular listener and regular contributor yep. uh, to this show uh, when he had a, a radio station up at Washington State University, oh. he had a, a radio show on the really? Washington. Really, he was a, a, a disc jockey. He was, sorts. and actually, his show was immediately after my show. So, right, yeah. and he would run the Pullman Washington police blotter uh, every week, and it was brilliant. It was just such <laughs> natural comedy in the world, and and along the terms of your wildlife. Yeah. There, there was one week I remember police officers were called because somebody had a deer uh, passing through their backyard. And I, right. I, I just wonder who sees wildlife on their property and thinks, I need to call 911. 911. This is serious. 
Like if I was in New York City and I saw a skunk, yeah. I might call 911. If I was in some type of rural community, yeah. I might think, just passing through. Give them space. <laughs> well, you know, and this is why uh, our good friend uh, Flavor Flav good, says, Very good friend. Right? Good friend. Friend very of the show. Uh, says 911 is a joke. Oh, political. We've covered both ends of the spectrum. Both ends. Yes. Maybe that's I not need true. to go back and listen to that album. So good. So you talked about wildlife. That's a good transit. I see what you did there. I'm not sure you saw what you did there. Uh, planned. Planned every second of it. So, but, so here's yeah, a question to right. you. Oh, I like questions. If you found a wild turkey in your backyard, who would you call? Oh, I called I called Jimmy and Eddie Russell. That's the first thing I did. And I tried to bottle that wild turkey, which would I feel bad for the bird. What if I was to tell you it wasn't a bird, but instead was a cask of whiskey? Whoa. Is your mind blown? Boom. Mind blown. Wow. So, uh, party. Not- party in the hall. Jason, you poured some wild turkey in the glass. I did. While, yeah. while we were listening yeah. to Chris Mabin okay. and you and I discuss the misconception, yes. I poured a little bit of the Whiskey Jubilee wild turkey that I've been promising. And you were a good boy, so you're getting your reward with a little bit of exceptional nine-year-old Wild turkey. Yeah, 60.7% alcohol. So for those bourbon fanatics out there, cask number 2931. This was in Rickhouse O. And this was on the fifth floor for nine years. Mm -hmm. Got 168 bottles for that. Good, 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 good. Whiskey. Oh, it really is. And again, you talk about those fall flavors. Yeah. Nice, big wood notes, dark cherries, leather, fall leaves, mm. tobacco. Oh. oh, my gosh. That's that's awfully good. Let's not dwell on this because we really are going to go orgasmic on this one. So, mm. Well, yeah, so let's, uh, I don't want to, speaking of completion, we have come to the end of our podcast. Does this mean I have to go wipe off my glasses? Um... But yeah, thank, thanks again to Chris. And thank you, listeners, for, for, for tuning in. As always, this is episode 19. And actually, if you count the two half episodes, put them together, that's episode 20. But we're not. But we're not. Okay. Because right. that's going to confuse our numbers. Well, especially you weren't a part of it. So. <laughs> you said you would never mention that again. Hashtag never again. <laughs> I'd never forget. <laughs> but thanks to everybody who, who's been listening to us, who's been sh- spreading the good word. That's what I was going to say. Right? right? Yep. Um, and, and saying some really nice things. I think we're up to 25, sorry, 24 five-star reviews <laughs> on iTunes and one two-star review. Uh, the guy didn't like the fact that I don't speak proper English, but I'm fucking American, so... Guarantee he's a regular listener. Guarantee you he's been coming back no, again again. I hope so. He sounds like the so. self-hating type. Could be, right? He does. He does. But I, I, you know what? I hope you listened to another episode and, and, and started enjoying it. And if you didn't... Yes. Uh, yes. Que sera, sera. Oh, <laughs> Okay. 
Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Somebody's knocking at the door. <laughs> so, Jason, thank you so much. Thank you for coming up to New York. It's going to be fun flying up to New York every two weeks to record in our new recording studio. <laughs> this podcast is about to get a lot more expensive. <laughs> Staying in a hotel in Times Square, <laughs> renting studio time, <laughs> eating, just our food bills alone oh, are no. going to outstrip my airplane bills. But, you know, I think for the listeners that we have, totally worth it. I would, I would happily spend yeah. $1,500 an episode. <laughs> I, I would do it too. Now we get all the, the sushi that we eat, the warm sake, the goat sushi. It's, uh, yeah. Right. There, there's so much inside. The downside is your podcast is no longer going to be free. <laughs> your podcast is now $10 an episode. You're welcome. Uh, but thanks to everybody for listening. Absolutely. And please continue to give us some nice stars, say some nice things. Again, if you have any criticisms, please reach out to us. We're, we're open to critical criticism. Here's oh. a thing to reach out about. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Who would you like to hear from in the whiskey industry? Because mm. we, we rack our brains on a week-to-week basis and we say, you know, you're going to see Robin. That's a great guy. Let's get him. We've got other names that I'm not going to name right now. But looking forward, we want to get oh, yeah. um, some key people uh, mm-hmm. interviewed on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Throw a name out there. Let's try and get them. We have some pool in the industry. Hell, we got Chris Maben. Right. And his socks. <laughs> we got the socks. So, yeah, send us a name. Questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. No Ian Whiskey. Or just find us on Twitter. Yeah. We reside in Twatterton. Yeah. Uh, Instagram is clearly the best. No, and, and, you know, that's true. Owned by Zuckerberg. You know, I'm just waiting on him turning Instagram into Facebook once he has completely screwed every last penny just, out of Facebook. This is not no the podcast. This is the wrong place. No. This is getting nuts. This is... <laughs> Anybody who gets that reference, question at One Nation under whiskey. Uh, but I, but I, I really liked what you said, Jason. Good on you. Anybody who you want us to speak with, let us know who that is, and and let us know if you have any questions for for her or him, and and we'll be happy to get on that. Uh, coming up soon, we will have a our first celebrity interview mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. And where we will discuss uh, whiskey and some other things. <laughs> so uh, this, per- this particular celebrity is a massive fan of whiskey. So we'll, we'll get to talk about how whiskey sort of bleeds into his work. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, you're oh, right, you're yeah. dinging that over yeah, there while yeah, we're recording. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, man. Likewise. Until next time on... The laptops. On the laptops. Chin chin. Chin chin. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.